The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio 680 WPTF and 98.5 FM. This is the Turning Your Life Around podcast, presented by 180 Counseling, hosted by founder Sarah Coates, a licensed clinical mental health counselor. In this podcast, Sarah and her team of therapists will dive deep into many topics on mental health care. Here's your host, Sarah Coates. Hello, and welcome to the Turning Your Life Around podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Coates, and I'm excited to have the amazing Erica Smith joining us again. Hey, Erica. Hello. Happy to be here. Glad to have you. And today we're talking about teens, really, child and adolescent therapy and how that whole therapeutic process works for children and adolescents and teenagers. And you know, this is kind of your specialty area, that population age range. Lots of parents have questions about when my child or adolescent enrolls or, you know, uh, registers for therapy. What does that look like? What can they tell me? What can I know about their therapy? What can the therapist share with me? And so let's just start off by talking about confidentiality in child and adolescent therapy sessions. Yeah. And this is sometimes a really confusing piece for parents because parents are the ones scheduling. Oftentimes they're paying for the service. And in my intakes, and often sometimes before I even schedule things with parents, I let them know like, hey, how do you feel about the fact that your child's therapeutic process is going to be completely confidential? And what that means is if your child and I are working together, everything that said is said in that session is confidential. I cannot legally disclose what your kid tells me. I can't talk about what we're talking about. And I'll sort of elaborate on that a little bit more. But everything your kid tells me is going to stay between me and that kid. This does not include the limits of confidentiality. So if your kid tells me about a plan to hurt themselves or thoughts to hurt themselves and serious thoughts about suicide with a plan, I'm going to loop parents in. I'm going to loop those adults in. If they tell me that someone is hurting them, so they're being physically abused, sexually abused, inappropriate relationships that are illegal, got to tell parents. And or if they tell me that they have a serious plan to hurt someone else, got to tell parents. So I always make that very clear. And when I'm talking to parents and kids and intake, I let parents know these are the times where I'm always going to tell you what's going on. So the kid knows this. The parent knows this. That's very clear. And then parents sometimes really want to know. They're like, well, why can't I know what's going on? I want to know what's going on. So I do let parents know. You know, I explain what type of therapy we'll be engaged in. So if we're doing EMDR therapy, if we're doing cognitive behavioral therapy, I let parents know what that looks like, what that means, some of the process. I will let parents know some of the like um, different topics we might be covering. And I'll also ask the kid, how do you feel about me sharing what I'm doing, what we're going over? And if the kid's okay with that, I, I loop parents in. And I also always remind parents and kids in my intake of an initial session, like the goal is for you to be able to talk to your parents, especially when I'm working with parents who are safe enough people. There's not abuse there. There's not anything like that going on. The goal is for the kids to be able to talk to the parents. And I am here for as long as the parents and kids find this a helpful relationship and a support to the family. But that is the ultimate goal. So parents do hear me say all of these things. The kid hears me say all of these things together. And I do let the parents know again, I'm happy to let you know what types of therapy we're doing, my background, things like this. The reason that things are going to stay confidential is because that is part of the therapeutic process. So if an adult walks into that room with their therapist, they get complete confidentiality, just like their kid does. And one of the reasons the kids are coming into this session is because they've got some of their own struggles that are happening that they're currently not capable of talking with your parents about. or 
parents don't have that training. Like that's not their specialty. They're not really sure what to do with anxiety. They're not really sure what to do with their kid's traumatic experience. And so part of this process really is the kid feeling safe enough having their own private space to talk about whatever's going on. And sometimes this is really difficult for parents because parents really want to know what's going on. They want to feel engaged. They want to make sure their kid is making progress, getting the support that they need. And so I do loop parents in and I do a lot of parent check-ins, a lot of kid check-ins. We'll talk about symptoms. What are you seeing? What are some areas where maybe you're seeing some progress, regression? Are things staying the same? Um, I'll also loop parents in on ways that they can support their kids. Like here's some coping skills that we're going over. Here's some resources that you can support your kids with. So parents are engaged, but as far as the content of what their kids are sharing, if the kid wants to keep that confidential, then legally, ethically, I have to do that. And it really gives your kid a safe enough space to talk about whatever they're going through. And when the kid is ready, if the kid is ready, we can formulate a way for them to talk to their parents, whether it be in a parent session, sometimes it's through a letter, sometimes it's with the kid on their own. And so the goal is for the kid to be able to talk to the parent, but sometimes the kid really has to work out what that means, what that looks like. And another thing that sometimes happens is sometimes the kid doesn't feel safe enough with that parent for whatever reason. And so sometimes as a therapist, we'll work on different parenting skills, different communication skills. We'll figure out what are some really great ways that the parent and kid can talk and work together with each other. Yes that confidentiality is important. And ideally, when you go into that initial appointment with your kid's therapist, you are hearing what that looks like and what that actually means and how you can be involved. But it can be really confusing. And I have parents say like, you know, well, I'm paying for this. I want to know what's going on. I'm like, well, here's what I can tell you. Here's the umbrella of what I can tell you. And for the sake of your child's well-being and mental health support, this is what this is going to look like. And this is what this will look like with any ethically sound therapist in this relationship. I think what I hear from parents and even as a parent myself is, mm-hmm. you know, it can be a little fearful or a little scary yeah. for a parent to place their child in the hands of any medical or mental health provider and not be sitting there listening to every word that's mm-hmm. said. And so I can understand when parents come from that perspective. How do you ensure or alleviate some of those concerns from parents that, hey, I'm not telling your children things that are completely off the wall or unhinged and stuff yeah. like that? So a really important question that I should be hearing in any intake and conversation with a therapist for your kid is, what is the family's value system? What's important to you? What's important to this to your child? And this is not a question that you hear. You might even have a conversation and, or maybe, you know, bring it up and make sure the family knows, the therapist knows like, hey, these are some of the standards that are important to our family. These are some of the values that are important to our family. Now, I, as the clinician, I'm going to also ask your kid one-on-one, what values are important to you? So for example, if mom and if parents are vegetarian and they just really think that vegetarianism is a really important value for the family, but then mom or dad or adult walks out of the office, and the kid is like, I love cheeseburgers. I eat them any chance I can get without my parents knowing I get cheeseburgers from my friends are so important to me. I love cheeseburgers. Well, I'm not going to tell parents that the kid secretly loves me and they're not a vegetarian, but I am going to operate with the understanding that for this family, vegetarianism is really important. And what must it be like to be a kid where I don't, that they don't share that value system. And it's important for me to know with the parents, what happens, you know, hypothetically, if maybe your kids really like something different than your value system, what might that look like? What might that relationship look like? So I am going to explore and make sure I know what's important for the family, like values wise. And if for some reason they have a value system where they're like, Hey, I really want a vegetarian therapist. I want someone who understands this. I'll just say, you know what? 
I really, really like bacon. So I'm not a great fit for you and that's okay. Here's some other therapists I know that might share the same value system. So there are some folks that really want their kid to see a therapist that shares a family's value system, which is completely valid and okay. But it's also gonna be important to recognize that, that while the kid and therapist are working together, the therapist is also gonna make sure that this value system is important to the kid and explore what feelings they may have about that value system, that importance, anything of that nature. It will be very much part of the therapeutic process, like identifying those values, what's important, and also identifying Identifying, like, what are the standards and rules that you have set forth in your homes? I'm going to be asking things about parenting skills, about discipline, about what are the boundaries in your home, not because out of a place of judgment, but just so I know where might be there be some conflict. When I was growing up, my mom really wanted us to fold our towels a certain way. I could not fold the towels differently. She would, I would have to refold them. And she's a pretty flexible mom, but just for her, like, this is how the towels get folded. And I didn't buy the towels. And at the end of the day, like, it really wasn't that important to me what way the towels were folded, but I could avoid a lot of conflict if I just folded the towels the right way. Now in my adult life, I don't know any other way to fold towels except for the way that my mom taught me how to fold towels. But growing up, if I was frustrated, I just would be like, I want to fold these towels the wrong way just because I was mad and I was a teenager. And so sometimes it's important for me to know a little bit of these things as your kid's therapist, because it's going to be really helpful for me to be able to work with the kid around like, okay, so at the end of this day, is this is this the thing that you really want to set off stress and trauma within your family communication because you didn't want to fold the towels, right? And so sometimes just having some of these, some of this awareness as to what's important to your family, how are things done? And sometimes it is to sort of challenge that a little bit and see if, are there ways that parents can be open to other kinds of times? Or is this sort of like, this is it for our family? And how can we work with having some really great communication around what this looks like while we're engaging with our kids and teenagers? Another question that I've heard from parents is if the child has these behaviors, why isn't mm-hmm. the therapist working with me too? You know, meaning mm-hmm. the parent as well. Yeah. How, how do you answer that? Ideally, and this is where sometimes I've had kids transfer to me from like other providers from other parts of the world. And they'll be like, well, this is how my past therapist did it. Or there was very minimal com- communication with parents and parents just felt like they were on an island by themselves. And so what I always say is like, you want to have a therapist that's able to work with you as parent along with the kid. But there is a difference between your child's therapy and family therapy. And I do explain this to the family too. So yes, as a therapist who works with kids and teenagers, me and the parents are working together in conjunction. Sometimes that looks like me checking in before sessions or via email. So I have some parents, we email at least once a week before their kid's session because their kid really enjoys having that full-time one-on-one. So as the therapist, I might be making more phone calls to you outside or doing phone check-ins and or scheduling what we call a parent session where I just sit down with the parent one-on-one And we talk about what they're seeing, what are some conflicts, what are the skills that you're using. And then sometimes I will have family sessions and I let kids and teens know, along with their parents at my initial intake, I'm like, hey, we're going to be having parent sessions at some point. We're going to be having some family sessions at some point. It won't be in the first couple of sessions, but this is part of the process uh, so that we can make sure that we're getting to where you and the family want to be operating. We're getting to the communication that works well for everyone. And then sometimes I recognize that the family needs a little bit more, in which case we call that family therapy, in which there's a therapist for the whole family. So I tend to be the therapist for the individual child or teen. Sometimes I'm the therapist for the mom or the dad. Then there's sometimes I'm like, you know what? There's a lot of communication dynamics that are happening and they're not just centered around my client. They're centered around multiple people. There's multiple parties and or there's multiple different types of communication and they're not necessarily working well together. They're not the most effective that they could be. 
at which case I may recommend what's called family therapy, in which case the family will be working with the therapist regularly as a whole unit. A lot of times in family therapy, it's still very important that people have their own individual therapy because, you know, the kid still has anxiety diagnosis. They still have a depression diagnosis. So you want to make sure we're working on that, making sure we're working on coping skills, processing through any trauma that may be there, while the family as a unit is working with another therapist to work on their family dynamic. And oftentimes that family therapist and I are working in conjunction with each other. We're talking to each other. So I know what I can be reinforcing. They know what's going on. So it is really this ideally as a team effort, a team approach where the therapists are working together to make sure the family is getting, reaching the goals and the outcomes that they have identified that they want for themselves with respect to their family values, with respect to the the boundaries that they have set forth with each other. Ideally, parents are involved. Some instances where this may not be true is if I'm seeing a kid with a parent who might have a history of abuse toward that child, a history of violence toward that child, in which case I might be working mostly with the safe adult, whoever the guardian is. So there's some cases where you know, mom brings the child in and the second parent who was involved has not been a safe enough a person. There may have been police involvement or CPS involvement, things like this. And so these parties have decided that this is not someone that the child can have a relationship with. And legally, I have to respect whatever, whatever custody situation is in place. This also means that if there is a custody situation where both parents have custody, legally, I have to work with both parents. And this sometimes is a big stressor for families because they're like, kid doesn't really like dad, kid doesn't want to see dad. And I completely understand that. But legally, did dad still has a right to their child. Legally, mom still has a right to their child, whoever that adult is. And so unless that adult decides that they don't want to be involved, I can't necessarily withhold involvement. When there's custody situations, I have to follow whatever the custody guidelines are and agreements are. And that may be where people don't love it. But again, the kid still gets to decide how much I share. So if the kid's like, hey, you can share this with my mom, but you can't share this with my dad, I have to follow that. But if dad calls and says, hey, did Erica have a session today? I have to be like, yes, Erica did have a session today. Yes, I have to be able to answer these questions. So I will explain all of these things. And this is why sometimes your therapist may ask for a copy of custody paperwork because legally we have to know what's going on. So we're not violating anything. Just like parents have to follow whatever the custody situation is. Yeah, that's very helpful. I know a lot of times divorced families have questions about how the therapy Mm -hmm. process works with different custody situations. Another question for you, what would you tell parents when you might recognize that they need to engage in their own therapy for the Mm -hmm. benefit of the child? This sometimes does not go over well because I do have some parents who come in and they, I call it drive-by therapy where they want to drop off their kids and drive away. I let parents know in the intake, prior to intake, you know, when I see that I've got a young person on my calendar, I will send an email or a phone call like, hey, I'm planning to meet with both you and your child. So one, ideally both, if both are involved, parents will be there. If only one is fine, that's cool. Can I have access to the other person via phone or email so I can get some background there? And from there, I'll let them know, like, hey, you're going to be involved in this process. This is how this involvement may look like. As long again, there's no history of abuse or custody situations I need to know about. You're going to be involved. This is what my, this may look like. Over the course of me working with this young person, sometimes I notice that mom or dad or adult is also exhibiting some symptoms of a mental health diagnosis. I am not that parent's or adult's therapist, so I'm not going to diagnose them with anything, but I can notice symptoms. And those symptoms 
may be affecting parenting. They may be affecting the relationship with the child. They may be part of the root of how this child's symptoms came to be. Then I may step in and say, hey, you have expressed to me, and I really do make it about the fact that they recognize and they got their kid support. So like, hey, you recognize your kid needs some support as their parent. You love them enough. You cared about them enough to make sure they got that support. And this is going to continue to support them. This is what this may look like. Here's some resources. And so we really do talk a lot about it. And I also recognize finances sometimes are a reason that parents haven't gotten their own support and they prioritize their kids. So we do a lot of, of exploring of what that might look like. How can I support you and accessing whatever resources you're going to need. And usually when I leave that way, parents are receptive to it. Of course, there's always some people who are not super receptive and I can't force parents to go to therapy. And so sometimes there are situations where parents are just not open to it. And sometimes it is because they have a lot of their own stuff. So they know if they open that can of worms, it might be, it might be really challenging for them. Sometimes I do have parents who refuse to go to therapy. I'm still going to engage with the child and I'm still going to engage with that parent as much as I can as far as parent sessions and family sessions, family check-in sessions with that kid may go. It's another segue that I'll try is if a parent is refusing parent sessions, I may try like more parent-child sessions together and see if like the kids I'm teaching kid might also support parent in some ways. There are a lot of different ways that we try to make sure we're getting people the support that they need. But hopefully when, when I'm able to, to lead with like, hey, you care enough about your kid to make sure they got support. This is going to be something that continues to support them and also support you because being a parent, a caregiver is challenging. I commend everyone who does it. I think it's perfectly okay to recognize like this is hard and it'd be great to talk to someone about how hard this is. I think most parents, and I'm going to say a large, large majority of parents and caregivers mm-hmm. are really doing the best they can with what they yeah. have and what they know, how they grew up. But the fact of the matter is if your child or adolescent is suffering from a mental health issue, you have to be aware mm-hmm. enough and enlightened enough as a caregiver and a parent to know that you might have mental health concerns and struggles too, because we're all human. I think it's really important that parents are doing their own work and seeking out their own mental mm-hmm. health treatment so that the whole family can just be living the best lives possible. Thanks so much for sharing Absolutely. that. Are there any other pieces of advice that you can share with parents about feeling more comfortable and allowing their children and adolescents to engage in therapy? I would say it is important to know that you can also, as you're looking for a therapist, like you can find therapists who match your values. And so that's important to you. That's a big concern. You can do that. You can reach out to therapists. You can ask questions when you're doing that initial assessment. Whenever I'm in that assessment, I always ask people like, what questions do you have for me? Is there anything that you want, you would like to know about me within reason as I support your child? And this is what I used to say to my kiddos and my teens. If after a few sessions with me, you realize I am not the right, the right kind of weird for you, that's fine. Just let me know. Or you can avoid me and just call the front desk and they can reschedule you. So I try to make it light so that people know, like, I really want you to be able to feel like you can connect with me. And another great way of asking this is like, if you've ever had a teacher that you didn't like, and you recognize quickly, your kids will tell you when they have a teacher, Miss Erica is just, she talks about Taylor Swift way too much. And she has all these toys and I just don't like toys, whatever that is, then your kid's not going to open up. And the same for the parents. So it is really important. If after a few sessions, you say, I don't know if this is the right fit, the right connection. Well, at 180 Counseling, we have 
tons and tons of awesome therapists that I'm happy to connect you with that might be a better fit for you or whatever that might look like. But so far, just putting that out there and parents being aware that like, oh, I have the right to choose. I have the right to like feel comfortable can really break a lot of the ice and like support parents and kids and knowing that they have the right to ask questions and to feel connected to whoever they're they're working with. Parents are their children's biggest advocates or should be their children's mm-hmm. biggest advocates and yeah. advocating for your child in therapy looks like asking the therapist their, what does your world system look like? And what are your Mm -hmm. values? And just making sure that you feel safe enough with that therapist. We take an ethical code as therapists to be Mm non-judgmental and unbiased and, and hold unconditional positive regard. But you still, as a parent, I'm hearing that Mm -hmm. it's still okay for parents to ask some questions of the therapist that will be working with their child. And that's awesome. You know, that feels very freeing for many parents to go ahead and engage in getting their children some mental health treatment in this very chaotic world in which we are all living. (laughs) Yes, yes, for sure. Thank you, Erica, so much for joining in and sharing your knowledge. And we appreciate you. If you want to continue this conversation with Erica or you are trying to seek out therapy for your child or adolescent, you can find us on our website, 1-80counseling.com. And all of our providers have a a brief bio about their work and their clinical practice. And you can choose someone who will work best for your family. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Turning Your Life Around podcast presented by 180 Counseling with five triangle locations to serve you. Learn more at 1-80counseling.com. This has been an exclusive presentation of News Radio 680 WPTF and 98.5 FM, a Curtis Media Group station.